Greetings, my dear friends. Welcome to yet another Reading Epic Threads live stream. I've got an amazing episode for you today. Praying Medic will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. But first, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Gunnels. I'm joining you from Houston, Texas, this February 2nd, 2022 at 8.03 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I don't know if Frodo Tolkien is in the audience right now, but I just feel like making lots and lots of Lord of the Rings references today because... And I don't think you're going to disagree with me when I say this. The world is changed. I can feel it in the water. I can smell it in the air. I don't know exactly what it is, but I have a funny feeling that that's going to be a lot of what we're talking about today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which is probably, you know, a number I can count on two hands, uh, Praying Medic was one of the very first people to start analyzing some of the Q drops. He was a former medic who he was a medic who was led by God to pray with his patients. And as a member, a senior member of our of our movement, and just generally somebody I have an enormous amount of fun with on the stream every time he comes on, I would like to say hello to Dave Hayes, praying medic. How are you doing, Dave? Hey Patrick, doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm s I could not be more excited. I I don't even know what to say about it. Have you, have you, do you have the same feeling that I have that something is shifting right now? It's not just the truckers. It's something else too. Did you listen to Jesse Waters? The what waters? Did you listen to Jesse Waters tonight? No. What did he say? Somebody said something to me about Jesse Waters that he was sending some kind of a calm or something. Yeah. Um, he did a segment tonight, apparently uh, called the great awakening. What? And the Great Awakening is here, and there is a massive shift. Can you feel it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's random. Okay, well, I think maybe he and I are on the same wavelength. Let me see if I can pull that. It's, there's a massive shift. Can you feel it? Yeah, I, I didn't watch the, the whole episode. I've been kind of busy, uh, but I saw just little clips of it that people have been posting on Telegram, and I thought, okay, that, that's interesting. Uh, interesting perspective. We've and got the shift. Yeah, we've got the truckers. And my feeling about the truckers is, you know, that Canada could liberate itself tomorrow by simply saying, we're not complying anymore. Uh, right. But that's apparently not an option. So they're going with this option, which is, I'm not 100% sure where all of this is going. But, uh, you know, terrorizing right. Ottawa sounds fine to me. I mean, it's um, Yeah, well, you know, what the Canadians suddenly realized is, Wait a minute, we have more power uh, than Trudeau led us to believe. Like we we can send him packing, we can send him into hiding. And I think a lot of world leaders are coming to a very sober realization. I think Boris definitely uh, is starting to get a clue that uh, his his days as a grand poobah. Uh, you know, with the lockdowns and all of his um, tyrannical restrictions have put his uh, his position in jeopardy. And I think that he is realizing that people are pissed off. They're not going to take it anymore. And they reached the line in the sand where where they, they realize if they keep going, they're going to end up uh, facing a revolution. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just watching, I was watching a, a Patrick Byrne video where Patrick Byrne was openly addressing 
the globalists, the people who have been putting the world into lockdown. And he said, guys, I just want you to know something. I'm one of the only people standing between you and the pitchforks. You want to make a deal. We can still solve this peacefully. Call me, collect. And I'm, right. I'm like, you know, I'm, we're still, we're still okay with it. And you see people on the ground in, in Canada, one Polish guy who was with solidarity, I think when it came out and he said, look, politicians, one option you still have available to you is to resign. But the time to do that is also running out. Yep. It's really yep. scary stuff coming from a population that is completely disarmed for the most part. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Uh, I think the globalist politicians around the world are all starting to feel the pressure. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening if you're just sort of uh, looking at um, what people are saying in the last week. So George Soros comes out and says that uh, Xi Jinping is the greatest threat to open uh, to, to open borders. Open um, societies. Open societies in the world. Xi Jinping. Of course. So that got me off on a little, uh, a little political uh, thinking. Like, why is George Soros so threatened by Xi Jinping? And uh, if you go back to one of the early Q posts from 2017, you suggested that China, Russia, and the U.S. were all teaming up together to take down the New World Order. And the, um, if you just kind of just think about it from a, a geopolitical perspective, you've got Putin, Xi Jinping, and Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, all three of them are strong nationalists. They want their country to be the preeminent power in the world, right? I mean, that's 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 what a strong leader wants. Mm -hmm. They want their country, put their country first, make their country um, mm -hmm. the strongest country in the world. Yeah, that is um, that's an agenda that is diametrically opposed to what George Soros wants. Soros wants all of the nations of the world to come together under a global nation state that he controls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And and that's that is counter to what Trump and Putin and Xi Jinping want. Um, so it's it has kind of been uh, one of my pet uh, beliefs for the last four years that uh, Xi Jinping and Putin and a number of other leaders realize that when Trump came into power in the United States, because Trump is an anti-globalist, this was their best chance to put a dagger in the heart of the New World Order. And take these puppet, their puppet masters out, because people like uh, you know Putin and Xi Jinping, and you know they, they don't like um, the Rothschilds, they don't like Soros and the banksters, because those people are trying to tell them what to do, run their lives, and these these elected leaders would just rather run their country without interference. And I think they all sort of realized Trump is our chance to get rid of these people. Um, and I think that Soros sort of said the quiet part out loud this week where he said, Xi Jinping is actually the big threat we need to worry about, us, us globalists, because he's going to you know, screw up the plan. Well, yeah, he is. <laughs> did, you so know, did you know that she uh, had to flee? 
the, the urban area of China, I think probably Beijing, he had to flee with his family because his father got crosswise with the Chinese Communist Party when he was a boy. No, I didn't know that. And he had to go into exile and somehow he got back and it all made me think, you know, this guy might not have any love for the, uh, the old guard either. It might have tor tormented him. I get the feeling that things like the CCP and, and whatever mafia is controlling Ukraine and Soros and all these people, they're all tools of something far worse yeah, that's above they right. There's a deep state in, in all these countries mm -hmm. and they're all working for the same people, right? So in the same way that Trump hates the deep state in the United States, I'm sure Xi Jinping doesn't appreciate the deep state in China. And I'm sure Putin would probably rather not be under the influence of the Russian deep state. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting uh, geopolitically what's going on right now. And, you know, I loved um, Patel Patriot's latest devolution. Because he, you know, he leaves us with that little cliffhanger at the end, at the very last article. Uh, is is she actually um, loyal to the Communist Chinese Party or not? Mm -hmm. Because there's a little bit of evidence out there that he may be actually trying to sabotage what the CCP is doing. Yeah, that would be quite a twist. You know, we we, we know that we don't know who the good guys are. All the good guys are, and all the bad guys are. Do you think that we're going to get any reveals where that stuff is concerned? Oh, yeah. I, I'm not so uh, interested myself in knowing who all the white hats are and who all the black hats are. Uh, I think that is, that's, I think that's the wrong way to look at geopolitics. Mm -hmm. Because if you, um, if you get uh, this idea in your mind that, this guy's a good guy, that guy's a bad guy, good guy, bad guy, bad guy, good guy, right? You have little hats on everybody. What you tend to do is you then um, look at breaking news and you filter it through that grid of, well, I don't like the way this news is making my white, guy, white hat look like a black hat. So I'm going to twist the way that this news report actually, uh, what it says, to leave my good guy still a good guy. Like I know people, and you might know them too, um, a lot of these thread makers on Twitter that we've been all been following for the last five years, some of them are, are convinced that James Comey is a white hat. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've listened to their, to their arguments and reasons, but, but what they do is they end up twisting every news report that comes out, gets spun and twisted to leave mm -hmm. Comey as a white hat. And what you end up there is with that perspective, you just end up with a distorted reality. Okay. Because everything that comes out has to be twisted to make sure your white hats stay white hats and your black hats stay black hats. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's a good way to approach it. It's so the worst. Yeah. It's like Sherlock Holmes said, you inevitably, you, you, you seek the facts because you've already got your theory rather than right. trying to develop a theory from facts. Right. And so what I try to do is let the news that comes out um, give me, inform my opinion of who, of the players, right? Yeah. So I, I have, you know, feelings about Comey and Rosenstein and Bill Barr and, and other people that are involved in Spygate, but, uh, and Pence, you know, because there's a, just, 
these people, there's just a lot of controversy surrounding them. And I'm content to just sit back and say, well, you know what? Time's going to reveal uh, every lie and, and the truth is going to come out. And we will know at some point uh, <clears throat> who most of the good people and bad people are. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to learn a lot when Durham starts dropping indictments. I think that is in the, going to be in the not too distant future. And uh, I think there's going to be some surprise arrests coming. <laughs> surprise arrests. And if you've been watching my telegram this afternoon, you might know what I'm talking about. I don't because I haven't been watching your telegram this afternoon. Uh, I posted a little uh, a meme of Hillary in an orange jumpsuit. Oh, nice. <laughs> and an old Q post about Huma Abedin and Hillary. That's awesome. Because someone sent me a dream today. Okay, about tell me Huma about your Abedin dream. And Hillary. And okay, it is a whopper of a dream. All right, let's 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 back and up. No, so no, no. I'm not gonna no, I can't I'm not gonna go into it. I'm not gonna go into the details. Oh but the dream is very, very interesting. Uh-huh. And it it's a symbolic dream. Okay. Number one. So what this person saw in the dream is not literally going to come true. Okay. Because um, what they saw in the dream could not literally be true. I'll just I'll just say that. Okay. Uh, it, it's a symbolic dream. Uh, they saw Huma Abedin and they saw Hillary. And then there was uh, a news flash about arrests. Okay. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. That is uh, outstanding. Okay. Well, I, I so really do want to see something like that. What, what, what I've been seeing uh, is an uptick because I, I know a lot of people who have prophetic dreams and we've all been seeing a significant uptick in the last couple of weeks about dreams that suggest uh, things are going to happen in the not too distant future. It's, it's been a while since people have had these kind of dreams. But I think um, the people that I know that are hearing from God really well, they're hearing that things are about to start happening. Uh, and I know there's a, there's a lot of people out there who are they're sick, and, sick of hearing, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, get your popcorn ready. Oh, this time it's really, really going to happen. Uh -huh, yeah. Look, I get it. If you're tired of hearing that, I get it. Just tune, tune me out. Yeah, the people, the people who are tired of hearing it aren't in this audience right now. I suspect yeah. no one, no one is, has been more pissed off at Q than me uh, for the you know three years we sat through of waiting for the arrests, thinking that the arrests were just around the corner, like it was just going to happen. And this this next week, we're going to see people arrested, and and it never happened. Uh, so I have you know as much frustration as anyone does about how long we've been waiting for the arrest to happen. However, yeah. um, Q did warn us on the front end of the conversation that a lot of what he was going to put out was going to be disinformation. Yeah, very true. Uh, information, dis dis disinformation designed to make the bad guys make wrong moves. So you had to get real with that. If you're going to buy on to the, to the Q thing, you have to know up front Half of what Q is going to tell you is not going to be true. It's for the it's for the purpose of psychological operations, and that's just how it is. Um, Very and true. I think there's I think there's a lot more uh, disinformation in Q's um, in Q's posts than a lot of people want to believe. 
but I think it was all strategic, it was all necessary, and it was all for a very specific purpose. And um, if you just look back at the, at the way that the deep state reacted to Q's posts, you can see that a lot of the disinformation put out there had its intended effect. Um, and, I'll, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Did you see the Dan Scavino post on, on Facebook yesterday? Uh, was it? Um, it's happening. And the yeah, it's a bunch of a bunch of penguins saying it's happening. Yeah, I did see that, and and I was wondering, okay, is Scavino giving us a wink? Is he giving uh, us a wink, or is he just having fun, or what? Why? Well, you know, Scavino is aware that all of us who who've been following him and Q, we all we're all uh, like there are people who literally post everything that Scavino posts on Twitter or Facebook. Mm -hmm. or Instagram, they repost everything he posts. And so Scavino knows we're watching him. We're looking at him for signals. Um, I loved the uh, <laughs> little, he posted this GIF a couple, about a month ago, mm -hmm. and there was a queue in a cloud. There's this white little cloud, it's just drifting by, and there's a, it's clear as day, there's a queue inside the cloud, right? So, um, you know, Julian's rum, found that, threw it out uh -huh. there on Telegram. A bunch of us reposted it. Scavino knows we're watching him. Um, like is a hawk. He, yeah. Is he sending us a message? You know, probably. Probably. Um, I think that I, I, I'm, I'm highly confident that things are going to happen at some point in the future. You know, I don't want to be a date fag. I don't want yeah. to, you know, start predicting dates. I'm not yeah, we're over that. We're yeah. absolutely over that. Yeah. Uh, there are a few nice things about what we do know in the Q drops. We know, for example, that's a time will come when they won't be able to walk the streets. And another person, I don't even remember who, suggested they won't be able to walk the streets because of normal people rising up in anger at being abused like they're doing in Ottawa right now. And they're going mm -hmm. to say, okay, I have COVID. I have to go into hiding now. Yeah, that's well, that's exactly what Q was, was inferring in those posts, was mm -hmm. that people wouldn't be, that well-known politicians and celebrities wouldn't be able to walk down the street because of the anger of the people when the truth comes out. That's, that was Q's implication. And we're, we're seeing that happening. Uh, Biden will never, during his term as president, go into a... Uh, a public sports venue <laughs> ever because he knows what will happen if he does. And uh, so you'll never see him at a baseball game or a football game or any kind of public venue like that because he, they all know what's going to happen if he shows up. He's going to be mocked and ridiculed and jeered and people throwing stuff at him probably. And so he will never show his face at a, at a public sporting event like that, like Trump does. Trump will go to baseball games. To you know, you're not going to get, get that kind of treatment, but Biden would, and they know it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's there's such a surreal quality to it all because you can go act, ask a random person on the street if they think that Biden is the legitimate president, and they will say, "Of course he is." I don't want to be one of these people going against the social brain and saying that the election was stolen because the grip the world is in of the 
the, the mainstream media is so strong, they can literally have us disbelieving our own eyes just by saying what they say on the TV screen. The grip is loosening, but wow, has it taken a lot longer than I expected it to. Yep. Yeah. We had to, yeah. We had to that's, watch what they're, that's what they've been trying to do. Yeah. They've been trying to get us to disbelieve our senses. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's the definition of gaslighting. I mean, yeah. that's what they've been doing. Uh -huh. They're trying to make us think that we can't trust our senses. We can't really believe what we're seeing. What, but, but there's tens of thousands of people in Ottawa. No, there's not. It's a small fringe of people. But there's like lots and lots and lots of people there. No, no, no. It's just tiny. It's, it's insignificant. They don't represent Canadians, right? I mean, that's, that's the narrative. And all their narratives are falling apart. Um, Evidenced by the fact that they're pulling all the COVID restrictions, uh, they're they're going to have to switch to something else. That's they should be really terrified once they're starting to pull all these COVID restrictions because once a tyrant shows weakness, that people really, realize, yeah. aha, wait a minute, yeah, we pushed back and we made them take action in 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 our favor. Uh -huh. Maybe if we push more, we can get more action in our favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, short this is not a good thing. For them, they should be really, really scared. I think they are. Do you think, think they, they knew it was going to go this way? What was their end game with this? I, because to me, this well, is the only way it could end. They had, oh my gosh, they probably had fifteen different things that they were trying to accomplish with COVID. <laughs> yeah. One, the the primary one was steal the election. Yeah, uh, but there were there were other things. You know, um, they knew that they could. Uh, give big pharma uh, billions of dollars. They knew that they could get the healthcare industry hospitals to receive billions of dollars. They knew that they could potentially brainwash people into thinking they needed to take vaccinations forever. Um, they needed to, you know, part of it was, it was a big experiment in um, compliance. A lot of the restrictions are just nothing more than compliance training. Yeah, the government trying to force people to become compliant to whatever they tell them to do. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of tactical objectives with COVID, but the biggest one was a stolen election. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and even that uh, end game is not going to uh, they're not going to be victorious in that because Trump is coming back. <laughs> My feeling on Trump coming back is a. It's not really in the devolution camp, uh, but if we are in devolution, and I am a fervent believer that we are, based upon the facts and what I have observed, I think we're living through covert, limited, devolved federal control with military basically being in charge with Trump as an advisor. That's what I think is going on, based upon the evidence. But if that's the case, then Trump coming back isn't really all that essential. It's waking the people up that matters. Yep. No, that's and, and that's a really good point. Uh, right now, um, there is a really important um, tactical objective in view, and that is waking up the, the citizenry to the realities of corruption. I mean, that's what Q is all about. At, at bottom, Q is about waking up citizens to the realities of corruption. And that's what um, leaving Biden in the White House is doing that. That's so true. Is, 
people are waking up in droves. There's all these Democrats coming out. Like, this is not my Democrat party. What the hell happened? These people are full-on crazy people. They're, you know, what are we doing? This is, this is not how this country is supposed to be run. It's, it's waking up a lot of people. Uh, and, 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 and Trump knows that. I think that's actually um, part of Trump's um, strategy in walking away from the White House for a while is, um, and if you just think about it, so Trump's in the White House for four years, okay? And um, I'll just say this, uh, <laughs> if you look at the 22nd Amendment and you look at uh, federal law regarding the term of that a president can serve, the president can be elected to two terms in office and they can serve no more than 10 years as president. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to be important in just a minute. Okay. So yeah. if you look at, if you look at what Trump was doing when he was in office, attacked by the media, attacked by Silicon Valley, attacked uh, by academia, attacked by Hollywood, mm -hmm. attacked by, you know, just everybody was, was attacking Trump, making him look like a villain. Right. So Trump is like, okay, you know what? need to take a break, need to pause, you know, take a time out here. Mm -hmm. Let's bring on one of the Democrat all-stars and let's let him run the country for a while and see, see how bad a job I did compared to what he is going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think Trump knew most of what Biden was going to do. He kind of, he, not that Trump knew the future, but that Trump is not a dumbass mm -hmm. and he can certainly um calculate the likely moves of the deep state and china and russia and afghanistan and a lot of other you know iran trump probably had a pretty good guess what they would do when biden came into office so trump is just sitting back watching things fall apart watching one botched uh operation after another foreign <laughs> policy disasters left and right um and you know predictably unemployment inflation everything else going sideways and then the media has to go like okay well uh orange man bad <laughs> maybe not so bad yeah because <laughs> oh boy biden's really not kind of not doing so good right so trump lets biden take center stage is making a total mess of the presidency now if we're if we're living under uh, devolution devolution is in fact in play and we're getting more evidence every day that well trump was definitely thinking like yesterday right another uh draft executive order shows up uh this executive order ordered the department of homeland security to impound election equipment during the 2020 election yeah that's a right? p so why would trump draft an executive order like that and the other one which is going to tell the military to impound voting machines <laughs> election right okay when did this when did this second draft executive order come out yesterday they found oh man i missed it i missed it completely yep so that the first one that ordered the military to impound um yeah voting equipment that was sent to congress last week or maybe two weeks ago mm -hmm. this new one surfaced yesterday it was report first reported by cnn and then other news outlets picked it up that uh, they found a draft executive order that told homeland security to impound voting machines during the 2020 election 
unsigned draft. Okay. So again, what was Trump thinking by having these executive orders written up? He was obviously thinking that he knew the election was going to be stolen. Right. Did he draft these before the election? Did he draft these before election day? Yep. Okay. Got it. Yep. They were all, uh, they all predated the election. Okay. So he knew it was coming. He said he said he knew it was coming. Right. So, uh, uh, the, if we're, if we're living under, um, devolution, and I think we are, there's just, there's just way too much evidence that we're living under devolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> if you just wade through Patel Patriots articles and just look at all the evidence, document after document, after document, after document, after document, after document, um, you know, somebody in, in my telegram chat the other day said, this is just more hopium. It's more, uh, you know, it's just more fancy, uh, empty ideas and hopium that Trump really didn't lose the election. And that is a that is a voice of a person speaking who has not read any of the devolution articles. Because if you read the articles, you see it's nothing but research from one end to the other. It's all uh, open source documents. And Patel Patriot just goes through the documents mm-hmm. and says, we have this executive order. We have this executive order. We have uh, these meetings with these people on this you know, council. These policy uh, uh, policies are put into place. These personnel changes are made. This happened. This happened. Okay, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What, how do you explain all these changes? What, what's, what was the goal? What was Trump thinking? What was his, what were his people doing with all these changes? Mm-hmm. And you can, you have to make something of them. It's not like Trump was bored in the middle of the night, just writing random executive orders with no purpose. That's just not how Trump works. So uncensored Abe asks a question. I am not finding the significance of a draft executive order that was ripped up. I'll give you a, you want to take a crack yeah. at that one? Yep. So, uh, this, this should be obvious, but I guess it isn't always obvious. Um, Trump, these, these, um, these documents are being turned over to Congress. Mm -hmm. Trump probably knew that the Democrats in Congress were going to want access to his documents. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Trump has worked with these people for years. He knows how they think. Mm-hmm. He's able to outthink most of them. Mm-hmm. Just strategically and tactically, he is way more brilliant than these people are. And so I, I would imagine Trump anticipated that the Democrats in Congress were going to want to get access to his presidential documents. He put up a big stink. Oh, don't get my documents. Oh, we have to go to the Supreme Court. No, don't take my documents, please. Like there's secret national security letters and things in there. You don't want to, no, don't take my documents, which Uh makes them want to get the documents all the more. They get the documents and it's like, oh, Br'er Rabbit, please don't throw me in that briar patch over there. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, in the briar patch you go. And then Br'er Rabbit's like, oh, thank you very much. Take that. So, um, I suspect Trump anticipated that the knuckleheads in Congress would demand access to his presidential directives 
and executive orders. And uh, any executive order is first uh, written in a draft form. Yeah. Okay. A draft is not a final executive order. It's a draft. Now, if an executive order is going to be put into effect that uh, needs to be classified, <laughs> there's no way to know if that executive order was later moved into a non-draft form if it was revised and or if it was signed and executed. If, it, mm -hmm. if there's a way to keep it classified, if it became a you know a P to per presidential emergency action uh, document, or some other there's some other documents, a, an executive order could have been turned into a P, uh, and then it would be classified and no one would know if it was signed or, and put into effect. Well, by definition, every single P is an unsigned executive, executive order. Executive order, exactly. It's a directive that that orders some aspect of the government to take action on some issue, mm -hmm. right? So what we don't know is if any of the, if these executive orders that Trump, um, the draft versions, if they were actually put into effect, we don't know. Okay, now, you, if you just look objectively at it and say, well, the voting machines weren't seized, so obviously these executive orders were not operationalized. Okay, and that's a valid observation. Mm -hmm. It's a valid observation. And they would say it's likely that these executive orders were never put into operation because we don't know, it doesn't appear as if election machines were uh, were seized. However, however, uh, like I said, if Trump is playing chess and he wants people in Congress to know what he was thinking prior to the election, he would leave these draft executive orders just sitting in his mm -hmm. pile of documents for Congress to find and then they would read these executive orders and go, holy crap, he was going to pull a coup, <laughs> which is exactly what they're saying. Yep. It is also sort of tipping them off to what Trump's real plans are. <laughs> it's also informing us as to what Trump's real plans are, right? So if, if Trump actually devolved the government, and if we're living under a semi-military rule uh, where Biden is being allowed a, a certain zone of, uh, of operation, but there are red lines that he cannot cross. Mm -hmm. And there are red lines that Biden can't cross. And I'll give you two of them that we know for a fact. So um, the theory of devolution says that aspects of the federal government have been put in into uh, the care of uh, a highly compartmentalized um, sector of the military and that the military is running certain affairs and Trump is sort of in on it <laughs> and they're all allowing Biden to do certain things and not allowing Biden to do certain other things. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. Why can't Obama close down Gitmo? <laughs> He's the yeah. president. He's the commander in chief. Yeah, what is that about? How is the commander-in-chief not able to close down Gitmo? And if he can't, who can? Okay, so Obama wasn't able to close down Gitmo. Obama tried, and he couldn't get it done. And Biden has been trying, and he couldn't get it done. Why Why not? Well, I would Why say... Why is the military that... not listening 
to the commander in chief? I would say that, uh, for example, maybe they talked Obama out of it. I don't know. They, they, yeah, and and you know, with Obama, it was a different situation. Um, they put up, they, they basically stiff armed Obama, uh, and put up enough um, resistance that made it very difficult for him to take any action on that. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, Biden comes, tries to close down Gitmo, can't do it. In fact, they're expanding it. They're building another courthouse and <laughs> cameras and uh, a gallery and uh, area for the press. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're going to have military trials pretty soon. So here's so so. How is it that the commander in chief of the military can't close down a military base, an installation? I don't. I don't know. Maybe he's not really in in control as people think he is. Here's another one. When Biden was negotiating with um, Iran, and we sent State Department sent people to Iran to try to get them Iran back in the JCPOA, the Iran deal. While we were negotiating with Iranians to get them back in the Iran deal, the military starts bombing targets inside of Iran. When was this? This was about a year ago. This was, I think, uh, March, March of last year. Holy crap. I didn't even know Biden very first things was try to get Iran back in the Iran deal. And strangely enough, our military just starts dropping bombs on Iranian targets while our people are negotiating with Iran to get them. And then the talks about getting Iran back in the Iran deal, just vaporized, gone. (laughs) Right. So how is Biden trying to negotiate with Iran? And then suddenly the military starts dropping bombs on Iranian targets. Do you think there's a mullah during those discussions who hears, he's like, excuse me, what's happening? I've got the president of the United States right here and what's happening? And those are just two examples of uh, how the military does not seem to be taking orders from Biden. Like I said, if we're living under a devolved situation, uh, they're going to allow Biden to do certain things. They're not going to allow him to do other things. Mm-hmm. There's red lines. And yeah. I think the Iran deal was a red line. The military said, we're not going to let you get back in the Iran deal. It ain't happening. We'll make sure it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to close Gitmo because you're going to be an inmate there pretty soon. <laughs> um, you, you think he knows how much trouble he's in? I, I suspect he probably does. Okay. I suspect they all do because... Um, because Durham uh, has been hard at work for a long time, and Durham is interviewing all of them. Durham has interviewed Brennan and Clapper and Obama and Huma Abedin uh, and a lot of other people. And it's a question of who is turning state's evidence and giving Durham the information that he needs to lock up the rest of these criminals because we're getting to that point in the game where Durham is going to eventually start dropping indictments. Have you studied the work, the most recent articles from Margot Cleveland and Brian Cates talking about Sussman turning state's evidence? Yep. Uh, that's absolutely huge. It is huge. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of people that uh, are, are singing. Because they know if they if they don't, they're going to prison. And so why not, you know, save your skin 
and rat out the people that you know uh, are, are guilty. I mean, that's just how you do it. Run a federal uh, criminal racketeering investigation. And that's what Durham's doing. He's running the largest criminal racketeering investigation in the history of the world. Yeah. There's nothing um, compares because it's a, ma it's a mafia that's literally thousands of years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 6,000 year old death cult. You don't do, you don't fix that overnight. You don't fix that overnight. You do not. Uh, but going back to Trump. Yeah. Uh, Denise and I were talking uh, just before we went on the air and she proposed something to me a couple weeks ago and I was like, Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like that. Why did you say that? What? She's like, well, it just makes sense to me. And I'm like, but I don't like it. So this is her proposal. She said, you know what? What if Trump is planning to return to the White House in January of 2023? And I was like, oh, man, he's got to come back before then. Because me, just who I am, my, my personality, I really want Trump to come back um, as soon as possible. But, but you always have to think, um, you know, strategy and tactics. Mm -hmm. So th I, I was, we were talking and I said, wait a minute, hang on. You know what? Um, according to the 22nd Amendment and, and other federal laws uh, involving uh, the term of the president, a person can serve. Uh, as president for no more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. They can serve two elected terms of four years and then two more term, two more years and a, and a third term of non-elected. They can't be elected to a third term. But if somebody comes into the presidency through assassination, through 25th Amendment, through, you know, whatever, um, and it's, it's happened in the past, right? So they could, they could serve two years of their first term that they were not elected as president, but they ascended <laughs> to the presidency. And then they could be elected for two terms after that, which would be a total of 10 years. Mm -hmm. right, think about this. So Trump served four years during mm -hmm. his first term in office. If Biden serves two years through January of 23, and then Trump comes back in January of 23, he serves through all of 2023 and most of 2024, actually all of 2024. Yeah. Because he, because the November election in 24 doesn't have the inauguration until 25. So if Trump came back in January of next year, he could serve two years, 23 mm -hmm. and 24, and then he could be elected in 24 and serve four more years. That would be, that would be the, the way that he could serve 10 years. If he, um, if he came back this year and got reelected in 2024, he wouldn't be able to serve out the full term of his of his, his second term in office you'd only be eligible to serve three of those years out of the four well what would be the mechanism by which he would return to the presidency in january of 2023 did denise elaborate on that yeah so uh there's a lot of people who will um, scream and holler and throw their temper tantrums and flip their oatmeal off their table <laughs> and say that there is no constitutional way that Trump can come back. Mm -hmm. We're all smoking dope. We're all high as hell. And <laughs> we're all just, you know, token on the hopium. Mm -hmm. that there is no constitutional way that Trump can come back now. Well, that is absolute uh, bovine excrement. Um, <laughs> and and here, here's how it could happen. 
Number one, uh, if you take the time to read through devolution, one of the main premises of devolution is that we have been in an undeclared war with China for at least two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, undeclared war. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if Trump um, self-identified <laughs> as a wartime president, yeah. if his pronouns on his Twitter page were wartime president, <laughs> um, then if he's a wartime president, he has unprecedented you like that? You like what I did there? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He he has uh, massive power as a wartime president to do things most people can't even imagine. And Trump himself said, "I have powers to do things that people don't even know about." Okay. We, no 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 presidential emergency action document has ever been declassified. I mean, we don't even know what's in them. Yeah. Correct. So it, it, you know, Patel Patriot does it does a really good job of illustrating the powers of a wartime president by looking at what Lincoln did during his term. Um, he imprisoned his political enemies. He imprisoned the press. Uh, he imprisoned a lot of people. <laughs> he stole, mm -hmm. he basically confiscated their assets and mm -hmm. he was pretty, pretty damn ruthless against yeah. his opponents during war. Yep. But the constitution gives presidents a massive amount of power during war. Basically they can do anything they think they need to do to save the Republic anything mm -hmm. right so for people to sit back and say well there's nothing trump can do to come back in office uh you don't know the powers of a wartime president yeah. i'll just say that uh it is very possible that trump could have legally and covertly uh nullified the results of the election yeah. and then allowed biden to just walk into the white house Trump the whole time knowing he's not really the president. Or walk into the Eisenhower office buildings across the street. Or walk onto a TV set in Atlanta that yeah. looks like the White House or, or whatever he's doing. I, uh, seriously, they, what, okay, everybody should know, probably knows what I'm talking about, but during a, a Biden press conference, they inexplicably switched to a random third camera that overtly exposed the fact that he was not at the White House, that he was on a set and that it was set. some goofy little office space elsewhere. And then they said, yeah, well, he's he's at an office complex uh, across the street. We do that sometimes because it's better, blah, 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 blah. Not only was it revealed that he's not at the White House, it was revealed on purpose by the people controlling the cameras. Deliberate. Right. That was deliberate. There, it was deliberate. They got a specific extra camera focused in order to completely make the the subterfuge fail. So right. what's that on? What on earth is just slowly waking up those of us who are, are demoralized, letting us know, hey guys, the cavalry are on the way. Just keep waking people up. Keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Keep terrorizing your school boards. I, I mean that, by the way. Okay, so anyway. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh... Going back to Trump and the, and the presidency, at least I think there's probably five or six people out there who want to know what do I think is the, the path that Trump will take to come back to mm -hmm. the White House. So I'm going to uh, lay out my thoughts on that. And, and quite frankly, I've said this a million times before, and my views have not changed. And the people who are angry at me for not really focusing on the news and current events anymore, 
there isn't a whole lot of need for me to do that right now because I've told you the same thing I'm going to tell you a million times. <laughs> if you go back and listen to all the interviews and, and you know Medic Mondays that I've done over the last year, I say the same thing every time and I'm not changing my, my perspective, not changing my opinion, nothing has changed. Um, and, and there isn't a whole lot of actual news going on right now that requires my input. There just isn't. And well, maybe you know, on, on my Telegram channel, there's people getting healed mm -hmm. of very serious illnesses every day. Um, speaking, but speaking of which, we had one in this audience get healed. We had a number of people who listened to the broadcast. I got a couple of emails from people, listened to the broadcast and got healed. Um, but I digress. Okay. So we'll get let's to go to uh, how is Trump coming back to the White House? Okay. It's been my, my view uh, since the election, really, that there are four or five different entities that have the capability of making the election right. Okay, so uh, one of them is the state legislatures. The state legislatures have the ability and the opportunity to uh, investigate uh, allegations of election fraud, they can put resolutions on their floor in their House and Senate. They can vote on the resolutions. They can rescind Biden electors. And they can put Congress uh, on the hot seat and force Congress to do something if they rescind, withdraw, retract, decertify, um, if they decertify their elections and if they recall their electors. Now, it's always been my view that that's probably not going to happen. Now. We all got excited when Arizona decided to do an audit. Hey, Arizona's doing an audit. Woohoo! We're going to decertify the election. Well, you know what? Decertifying the election was never going to happen okay. uh, this year mm -hmm. as a result of the audit because we have a bunch of rhinos in our state, House, and Senate. In, and we in knew Arizona, that. yeah. It's a and, real and, bad situation. We all knew. I'm sorry if this you're just finding this out. We all knew that that if a resolution was put on the floor to uh, decertify the election, it would not pass because mm -hmm. there's too many rhinos in our state House and Senate. Mm -hmm. So that was not going to be a reality here in Arizona this year. Now it may be a reality next year because this November we're having an election here. Everybody's having an election. It's the off year election. Yep. So a lot of state um, legislatures are going to be seeing change. There's going to be some turnover. Hopefully, we're going to get rid of some rhinos in the state legislatures. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona need to get rid of their rhinos. And if they're doing some legitimate uh, investigations of the elections, maybe the states can then decertify the election and recall their electors. Now, here in Arizona, um, if Brnovich, for example, uh, arrest Katie Hobbs and a couple of members of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and those three people in the mech tech who deleted the database files on camera. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if those people get, get arrested and are charged, mm -hmm. um, that gives our state legislature a much stronger reason to decertify the election and recall the electors. Mm -hmm. That can still happen. That, that's, that's not out of play. But if it's going to happen, uh, number one, Brnovich has to pull the trigger and arrest some people. Yeah. 
and and you know what? He doesn't even have to. I mean, it would be it would be good if he did. He doesn't have to. We could simply have some turnover in our state legislature, mm-hmm. get in some mega people, and put a put a resolution uh, before the House and Senate to to decertify the election next year. Mm-hmm. But again, that's not going to happen this year. Probably it'll probably have it could happen next year, twenty twenty three. All right. So um, same things happening in Wisconsin and. The whole Wisconsin thing, I just want to throw this out there. Okay. Um, that what happened in Wisconsin in the state legislature the other day uh, is not what people thought actually happened. They did not vote to withdraw the electors. Yeah. That's not what happened. This And this, my audience totally knows that. Yeah. Uh, but my audience may not know that. Okay. So what happened was um, a very good patriot in the legislature asked the speaker if he could introduce a resolution separate from the one that was being voted on. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the speaker said, yes, and we're going to refer that to committee, to the rules committee. Mm -hmm. And then the legislature voted on the motion that was on the floor, the resolution that had already been brought up for a vote. Mm -hmm. And they passed it unanimously. That had nothing to do with the resolution to uh, desert to recall the electors. Mm-hmm. That was a separate resolution, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there was there actually wasn't a vote to decertify the electors in Wisconsin. I just wanted to make that really clear. Good but old David. Yeah, but but there is um, there is reason to believe that some things are going to happen in Wisconsin because we know that the Racine County District Attorney is <laughs> probably going to charge some of the Wisconsin Election Commission members with election fraud. Every one of them is guilty. There's one, there was one who voted against that resolution okay. to allow uh, the nursing home uh, basically ballot harvesting. Okay, yeah. Uh, all the other members of the election commission went along with it. And it's likely that those people are gonna end up getting criminally charged. And you know, it's possible that people in Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee, Green Bay, and Madison, and the city, city council and mayors, they could be charged as well. Mm-hmm. For bringing in the Zuckerberg boxes, which a judge has ruled were illegal, uh, and so there's a lot of things going on in Wisconsin. But again, it's going to take time for all that to, to, you know, shake out and for us to see what is actually going to happen. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. judge ruled the other day that uh, all of the mail-in balloting rules that were changed prior to the election were done in violation of the Constitution and they were illegal. So what do you do then? You've got literally probably a million or two ballots that may need to be, um, di- you know, thrown away. Mm-hmm. This kind of how do you fix that, right? So, how do you unscramble an egg? How do you unscramble the egg? I, I don't know. Uh, what do you do after the fact? Uh, you know, Pennsylvania Secretary of State and the prosecutors there—they're uh, not really hip to wanting to change anything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rhinos in the legislature. I don't know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. Uh, Michigan is probably as bad a situation. There's just a lot of rhinos in the legislature that don't want to do an investigation. Georgia, uh, Georgia is a mess. Raffensperger, you know, wants to get reelected, and now he's all of a sudden saying, "Well, you know, maybe we need to do an investigation of the election here and see what really happened." And and the, the fraud, so all the drop boxes. We're caught on video, and that video is going to come out. Um, but again, it's taking a while, and some of this may not bear fruit until next year, you know, twenty twenty three. The thing is, so, 
We, we knew all of this a year ago, though. Every bit of it. Yeah. We knew all of this. We knew all of this a few weeks after November 3rd. It was all. We did. And no we absolutely did. Because Why the videos of the, of the women pulling out big suitcases full of ballots, I mean, that came out a couple of days after the election. Yes. Uh, we, we knew all this. We knew the, the whole thing was rigged. All right. So going back to uh, the plan, what is the plan? Yeah. So the state legislatures have an opportunity to make things right. I, I am not really uh, counting on the state legislatures to make things right because we just have a lot of rhinos in the legislature who are okay with the corrupt system the way it is. Mm -hmm. That's just, there's no other way to say it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, in 2023, if we get some new people in the legislatures, maybe something will happen. Nothing's going to happen this year, I don't think, mm -hmm. in, the, in the state legislatures. So then you go to the courts. The other, another entity that has uh, responsibility to make things right is the courts. We're getting some good rulings from some of the federal courts on some of these cases. Unfortunately, down in Georgia, uh, with you know their issue down there, it looked like Judge Amaro was going to do the right thing. And at the very last minute, he just decided, you know what? You guys don't have uh, standing. You don't have a case. We're just going to let this whole thing go. You're not going to look at the ballots. We're not going to allow that. We were all like, what? <laughs> what we got rickrolled on that one. L is going on with Judge Amaro. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But so the, the judiciary, the, the court system has a responsibility and an opportunity to make things right. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the, in the federal court system or the Supreme Court to make things right. They, but if you're Trump, if you're Trump, and you know that the election was stolen, mm -hmm. and you want to get back in the White House through the most constitutional process that is available, you're, what you're gonna do is you're going to uh, send your people out into the state legislatures and present to the state legislatures the evidence of fraud, which was the very first thing that Trump's people did. Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, went to Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, presented all the evidence of fraud. It was the very first thing that they did in December of 2020. Mm -hmm. You give the state legislatures the evidence and say, it's your responsibility to fix this. And you let them work on it and try to fix it. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Then you present lawsuits to the federal courts and the Supreme Court and try to get the courts to fix it. And they've done that. And the courts mm -hmm. seem unwilling to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. Another entity that has uh, an opportunity and responsibility to make things right is the is law enforcement, right? So that involves states, uh, uh, attorney generals, and uh, and the DOJ. Mm -hmm. So you got Brnovich, and you have some other people in law enforcement. Racine County Sheriff's Department, they are taking an interest in it. Brnovich here in Arizona is is investigating. By the way, Doug Logan did an interview two days ago. Oh, quite didn't know that. Logan said he has been interviewed by Brnovich a number of times. Uh, a, a number of times since the audit report was released. Yep. Wow. Yep. So, hey guys, for those of you who don't know, Doug Logan was one of the key, chief principals. He, of he was. He was the. He was a principal uh, investigator for the audit. Mm -hmm. uh, he he hired subcontractors, Ben Cotton, right, mm -hmm. uh, and his firm Cipher. But Logan was the main contractor for the Arizona State Senate for the to do the audit. Mm -hmm. And Logan 
did an interview with Ken Khan and uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget the other Nick guy's Mosleder. name. Yeah, Mosleder. He did an interview with them two days ago, and he said he's been interviewed by Vernovich a number of times in relation to the election uh, audit and fraud. And he says, I believe Vernovich is going to get to the bottom of this. He says, I, I think they're hot on the trail. And he said, I have reason to believe he's close to wrapping things up. In addition okay, to that's that, that's from Doug Logan. I posted that on my Telegram channel two nights ago. Okay, well, I need to pay more the attention. The video clip was there. You can go back and find it. So Logan has talked to Brnovich, has been interviewed a number of times. He thinks Brnovich is taking this thing seriously, and he thinks Brnovich is going to be wrapping up soon. He's, he said, uh, it's, it's a criminal investigation. I'm not allowed to talk about the details of it, but he says that what I can tell you is I think it's going to be wrapping up soon. That's to from add, Doug Logan. To add on to that, uh, yeah. Patrick Byrne said in a recent live stream that he was talking to Sonny Borelli, and Sonny Borelli, a man of honor, a Marine, et cetera, said, Patrick, relax. Bernovich is on this. He's taking it seriously. Just relax. So yep. Bernovich yeah, uh, has to well, something. Sonny has known from the get-go that Bernovich was, was his ace in the hole. I mean, he's, he has said that in a number of interviews. Okay. You know, back months ago, before the, the audit was even finished, he said, look, you know, Karen Fan wants to do the audit. Uh, my my opinion is, you know, I'm I'm the I'm the bulldog. Mm -hmm. I want to sick the law enforcement on these people, but Karen Fan is the boss. She wanted to be the diplomat, and she can do her little thing. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm gonna swing a hammer, and I'm gonna get Bernovich to help me swing it. Yeah, those are his words. So Sonny has always been convinced that that he thinks he can rely on Bernovich to get to the bottom of it. We're and, and he knows way more about this than any of us do. He's on the inside, yeah. right? So the, the Department of Justice um, had a chance to make it right. Barr said, uh, no evidence of fraud. We're just going to let this thing slide. You know, we don't see anything. We're not can I push back? I want to push back on that for just one second. He was quoted by a mainstream media outlet in print only, was never on camera saying it. And when referring to his own quotation, he said, well, you all know what I said about that. And he never actually said it in public. So I, I felt like there was some kind of deception going on there. That could be, that could be. But, you know, uh, be that as it may, mm, yes. uh, the DOJ is not investigating. <laughs> that's, for, that's for damn sure. Right, so the DOJ has decided they're not interested. We've got a couple of local law enforcement agencies that are interested. Are they going to overturn the election? I doubt it. Mm -hmm. uh, not unless, not unless. So if Brnovich, again, I said, if Brnovich um, makes arrests here in Arizona, that gives the state legislature a lot more reason to consider decertifying the election and recalling the electors. Same thing in Wisconsin. If you arrest the Wisconsin Election Commission, <laughs> put them in jail um that kind of would would put some pressure on the legislature to actually do something about the election maybe right if they did that in georgia if they did that in pennsylvania um you know now you're talking about uh the legislature decertifying the elections and recalling the electors will they mm -hmm. do that I, I i don't know they could they might 
it's going to take a while and it might not happen until next year. All right. So you've got the state legislatures, you have the courts, you have the DOJ, law enforcement branch. And these are, these are the entities of our government that are tasked with making things right. And then you've got Congress. And then, you know, we all know Congress isn't going to do anything. Even if we get a bunch of MAGA uh, members of the House and Senate mm -hmm. into Congress in 23, mm -hmm. I still don't think they would have uh, the testicular fortitude to do anything to make the election right. Um, Congress just isn't designed to do that. So then you have the fact that we're living in a banana republic. Yeah. You have cor corrupt elections. Most of the public knows that the elections are corrupt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. I mean, the number of people that believe that the elections are rigged is going up every month. Yes. It's increasing. Even, I think in a couple of months, we'll have a majority of Democrats who will know that the uh, elections are rigged. When you live in a country where the citizens know that the elections are corrupt and the citizens go to the government, to their elected leaders and say, hey, you get into office by a rigged election system and the elected people say, nah, <laughs> it's free and fair. It's all on the level. Yeah. That situation is resolved historically. If you just look at countries around the world where they run crooked elections and the public found out about it mm -hmm. and they confronted the elected officials, that situation is resolved either by revolutionary war or military coup. That's how that situation is resolved. And the more citizens become convinced that our elections are rigged, the more we are moving toward either a revolutionary war or a military coup. Yeah. That, that just historically, that's what happens. You may not like that, but if you look at banana republics, that's how they're run. Uh, and, and we're headed that way uh, pretty quickly because they did such a bad job of stealing this election. They way too many people found out about it. Yeah. It's not even close. It's sick. So, so uh, as uncomfortable as a lot of people, you know, feel about a military coup, uh, what, what, what would happen is the military uh, comes in, steps in, they start cracking skulls. Um, I have no doubt that, that the military has all the evidence of the stolen election. Mm -hmm. We know for a fact, Homeland Security, NSA, their tasks, national security, collecting all electronic data coming in and out. So it's not a question of whether the military has evidence of a stolen election. We know that they do. The question is, what are they going to do about it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I see the end game as eventually uh, Trump and the military are going to red pill our country and say, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, the election really was stolen. Here is all the evidence that anyone is ever going to need about it. And, um, you know, whether they declare martial law in D.C. and arrest a bunch of people, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. Um, I don't think we'll see martial law on a national scale. I would not be surprised if martial law is declared in Washington, D.C., while certain corrupt criminals are rounded up and sent to Gitmo, a newly expanded Gitmo, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's kind of how I see this whole thing uh, going. Uh, and that's been my position forever.
Yeah. Uh, I would, you know, we'd all like to see a more peaceful uh, resolution to this. We'd like to see Congress do something. We'd like to see our state legislatures, you know, man up and, and do the right thing. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to give the military no choice because what will happen is the military is going to be looking at the citizenry. And if the citizenry um, start doing the kind of things that they're doing in Ottawa, right, where you're yeah. having large number of people protesting uh, and the president decides he has to go on the run because he's not safe anymore, that's a national security problem. And if that happened in the United States, we have guns. Yeah. We don't have guns in Canada. Uh, not a lot of them. I mean, some of them do. Very, very, yeah, few. very few, yeah. So if that happened in the United States, you have a massive national security problem immediately. If you have if you have 50,000 people go to DC, uh, you, have, you have a massive national security problem. And then the military is gonna be forced to do something. The military either allows a revolution to take place or they step in and they prevent the revolution from happening. And, and I think that the military is gonna be forced to step in and prevent the revolution. Uh, that's, that's, just, that's always been my, my perspective on this. It's going to come down to the military having to make a move because they're going to have to stop a worse scenario from happening. It could also it could also not be taking place in DC. It could be taking place in the blue states. And you could see the states start converging on their state capitals and causing their governors to go into hiding, which could require a response as well. Because it's not it's not Biden it's not Biden who's who's implementing all of these lockdowns in the blue states it's it's the blue state governors yeah they're, they're the and, real and, I, and I don't know if the lockdowns are going to be the issue anymore because you know a lot of states have ended the lockdowns mm -hmm. if we start to see more empty store shelves if the supply chain issues get worse um, if people can't get food if food prices dramatically skyrocket. Uh, and you see hyperinflation, then you're getting into some very difficult territory. Yeah. Because that kind of thing will make people uh, protest violently. Yeah. And if it gets to if it gets to a point where people can't buy gas, gas is too expensive. Um, if they start having runs on the bank, if you start seeing instability in the financial markets, if you see the market stock market, you know, collapsing then you know that the end is coming pretty near uh and i anticipate we're actually going to see all of that if let's let's just throw this out there okay. um, trump is going to launch true social at the end of the month okay that's going to give trump and all the people who have been blacklisted by uh silicon valley a chance to get on a major social media platform and it, it if you just look at how these things work True Social will probably have more users than Twitter by the end of two or three months. That's because a big Trump prediction. Be there. Oh, yeah. going to be there. Sidney mm -hmm. Powell is going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, John Solomon, everybody, all the conservative voices are all going to go to True Social because that's where Trump is. Right? Yeah. And True Social will become the new Twitter, the new Facebook, the new YouTube because they're going to have video streaming. Rumble. Uh, they're going to have groups. They'll, they're going to be doing... Um, it looks like they're going to be doing uh, uh, streaming video for movies and uh, similar to Netflix. Yep. Right? So 
Think about how hard Silicon Valley worked to silence us. Right? You can't broadcast on Facebook or YouTube. Neither can I. Yeah. Or um, Twitter. I'm Why? Done. Because yeah. they want to silence us. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they're going to let us have our voice back by letting True Social just launch and giving hundreds of millions of people the right to say anything they want? Uh, I don't think they're going to do that without a fight. What, do you, what can they do? Oh, I think we're going to see some shenanigans from Silicon Valley where they're going to try to deplatform uh, True Social and, if necessary, just pull the plug on the internet. Uh, I, I would, I bet you a thousand dollars, we're going to see massive blackouts on social media and the internet in, in probably the next six months. That's an act of pure. That's an act of pure terror on their part. It is, but think about what's happening now with, with the deep state. Uh -huh. CNN is imploding in yeah. front of our eyes. Yeah, I know. Okay. The, Rachel Maddow is suddenly deciding, oh, you know what? I got to take a hiatus from, from NBC, right? <laughs> um, the, the leftist uh, deep state media is having a lot of problems right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, with, with conservatives moving on to true social, that I, I guarantee you that thing's going to grow very quickly to be competing head to head with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Mm -hmm. All right. They can't let that happen. They will take steps to try to deplatform, shut down True Social. I don't know what capabilities they have. I yeah. don't know what safeguards uh, Trump's people are putting in place for that. I guarantee you they're going to try to take it down. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no way that they can not try to take down true social it's literally truth social or them it's an existential it it's, threat look they're they're in a zero-sum game and they know it uh there's only going to be one winner <laughs> and so there i ex i expect that they're going to attack true social like crazy once it goes online probably before it goes online actually so uh we're we're, we're getting into a very interesting time in the history of the world, yeah. the history of uh, geopolitics. Yeah. I think we're going to see some very interesting things happen. Um, I think that the stakes are just getting increasingly higher and higher and higher as time goes on. Uh, the deep state is getting more uh, desperate. Yeah. Um, they're, the tools and levers that they're used to pulling are not working anymore. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing false flag um uh, attacks maybe some dirty bombs being dropped by the cia just whatever they can do to distract people's attention to create false narratives the war you know, rumors of war over in ukraine that's all just you know deep state uh smoke and mirrors i think we're going to see more and more of that kind of thing uh, as time goes on because they're desperate and they need to try to control the narrative and they're just losing control of it um, more and more as time goes on. It's very exciting to be a part of this time in history. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost humbling to be here to, to see this happen because there's nothing like it. There's no precedent to, to compare it to the level of the level of oppression of the human race all at once. And then the throwing off of their oppressors, which is, almost upon us yep yep can you feel the change happening i feel it everywhere the away brian cates wrote a great piece called 
the great reset is being replaced by the great awakening. Yep. That is really, a fact. Yeah. That is it, a fact. It, it really is. Hey, everybody, did you know that Dave and I are going to be featured speakers at ThreadFest? ThreadFest.show, guys. It's going to be April 22nd through the 25th, Nashville, Tennessee. You got to check it out. Request your tickets at ThreadFest.show. Furthermore, got tons of requests in the chat for this t-shirt. Red, white, blue. Wait, what is it? Red, white, bourbon, 45. Red, white, bourbon, 45. So I just wanted to just let you know that as a quick aside. Now, back to the, the healing that you've been doing. We had healing in this very audience just from the last time that you and I streamed. Can you tell us yep. about that real quick? Yeah, well, I, I've been getting uh, email testimonies. I think I've gotten three or four email testimonies from people who got healed because they listened to the the, the, the replay and they got healed when, <laughs> when I was praying for them. One of them got healed on the live stream and a number of them got healed on the replay. Uh, and that's that's been happening a lot. So I, I put up a bunch of healing prayers on my Rumble channel and they're over on my, uh, my ministry website, prayingmedic.org. I'm going to put up more of these healing prayers and, and they're specific to certain conditions. But uh, I have just decided when I do whatever I do a broadcast, I'd like to pray over the audience because people are getting healed. Uh, just from the prayers, just listening to the broadcast. Absolutely. One thing I took away from our last broadcast together, and one thing that I've incorporated into my own life, is when I pray for the health of people, I don't do it as I'm asking God to heal them. I am saying, the Lord has imbued me as one of his people, as one of his followers with the ability to heal. I therefore use that power to heal this person. So that's that's kind of what I got from that. I don't know if that's yep. an accurate way of describing it. Yeah, that's that's a good way of describing it. Uh, we are we're releasing the power of God mm -hmm. uh, that that lives in us, uh, and, and it's real and it works. <laughs> so you want me to pray again? I sure do. Alrighty. Ooh. Uh, all right, I'm going to pray. All right. Uh, Holy Spirit, bring your presence for deliverance on the listeners of the live stream. Set them free of bondage to addiction. And somebody has uh, vision problems. Uh, your vision is being healed right now as you listen to this. Holy Spirit, bring your presence for healing upon this person. I command cataracts to be healed i command glaucoma to be healed macular degeneration i command you to be healed spirits of blindness i command you to come out right now lord bring your healing presence let your glory rest upon the listeners hips if you have <clears throat> uh, hip problems acetabulum uh, be healed right now Bones, ligaments, nerves, and tendons be healed. New meniscus, someone has uh, bone on bone in their, between their femur and tibia. I command a new meniscus to be formed right now. I release the healing power of heaven. You're going to feel tingling in your knee. That's God healing your knee. <laughs> kidney failure. Uh, someone has kidney failure. 
The Lord is going to heal your kidneys right now. Holy Spirit, bring your healing presence upon them. Let them feel your glory. You might feel heat in your uh, back. Holy Spirit, bring your healing power. I command scar tissue to be removed right now from lungs. You have pulmonary fibrosis or some kind of scar tissue. The Lord is going to heal you right now. Lord, bring your healing presence. Spirits of pain, spirits of sickness and disease, I command you to leave right now. All right. There we go. Amen. And as is my, the tradition in my stream, I will end with the prayer to St. Michael. But first, I'd like to say, Dave, thank you so much. It's always so much fun and such a pleasure to have you on my show. It's, uh, it's an honor. And uh, I'm really excited to meet you in person at Threadfest. Threadfest is going to be a blast. It is going to uh, be fun. If you, if you can make it, you seriously should try to make it. There's going to be some really great speakers there. And, yeah, I know it's a little bit expensive, but uh, meals are paid for. <laughs> if and if, if you pay the fee to get in, uh, it's, it includes meals. There are going to be some very good speakers. We're going to talk a lot about overcoming fear. And uh, I have a feeling some people are going to be healed uh, who show up there in person. I don't know, just going out on a limb there. <laughs> so if you can make it, uh, try to be there. Appreciate I really appreciate that. All right. I'm going to go ahead and uh, round out the stream with a prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Dave, once again, my friend, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And uh, I will see everybody tomorrow. Excellent.